No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. Charlie, there are a lot of podcasts out there, but as we all know, there's one element that all the greatest podcasts share. Uh, episodes on War of the Gargantua? That's, I mean, that's what, shit, there's two elements <laughs> that all the great podcasts share. Um, framed pictures of Joe Rogan behind them while they podcast? Still just one element that all... <laughs> All great podcasts have a Gyra and a Sanda. And <laughs> I since, knew this was going to be your your opening. <laughs> since I, I, I'm obviously Gyra and you're Sanda, we're a great podcast. That's all there is to no it. No way. I'm the bad boy of the podcast. I'm the one that that uh, runs around and eats people. I'm the bad boy. That's not all it takes to be a guy. I mean, look, we all know everybody was thinking it. I'm the Gyra. You're the Sanda. <laughs> you're the little sissy weirdo who wants to, like, be friends. And I'm always just, like, trying to destroy everything and take it down. <laughs> anyway, that's just the truth. I uh, disagree. I think I think I'm actually Gyra and Sanda and you're uh, Russ Tamlin. I was literally, that was my other written down one was like, all great podcasts have a guy run a Sanda, but we have, I'm a guy run Sanda and you're Stuart because he's just such a fucking shit. Uh, maybe we're both guy because we're both just using whatever opening to insult the other one. Uh, yeah, I figured you'd. I don't feel like a Sanda, but I figured you'd pick Gyra, so I had to. <laughs> See, I was going to pick whoever you picked, um, but then I was also going to claim I was Gyra. Okay. I don't know how that would have so, worked, but should we try so that one? Picks, it might be better. You... <laughs> I'm Santa. Every great podcast, blah, 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 and I'm Santa. All right, but no, I'm Santa because I'm a sweetheart at art, but I'm also Gyra because I'm, I'm also a bad boy. Sometimes that bad that sweetheart can't hold that bad boy in so i'm both of them combined into one Dude, which kind of makes sense because gyra is split off from santa so it is kind of like they are one it's it's a very psychological film you really get that ishira honda is kind of uh tackling his own demons and trying to um really come to terms with who he is inside his head yeah i mean like you know how so many of these movies we as like super intelligent, deep, just human beings uh, are always like, wait a second. What if the humans were the monsters all along? I think this is kind of like that where it's like, what, what if there's a little Gyra and a little Sanda in all of us? In all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to No Gods, No Monsters, where the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster 
movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us. And in a world where maybe there's a little Gyra and Santa and all of us. <laughs> and maybe the humans are the real monsters all along. <laughs> I'm Rabbit. Gyra. This is Charlie. Santa. <laughs> and today we're talking about 1966's War of the Gargantuas, which, uh, oh, aka Frankenstein's Monsters, Santa versus Gyra, which I guess now puts us into the running, like, along the other greatest podcasts of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should have started with this one. I'll never forget, uh, Joe Rogan's episode on War of the Gargantuas. Oh, I think that was actually just about two MMA fighters. <laughs> Dude, what if... Hold on, just see if you can keep up with me here. What if there's a little Gyra and Sanda in Joe Rogan? <laughs> oh my god, I bet they're... No, I I don't think he's smart enough. That was a low blow, and <laughs> it was also... Even in the dumbest of us, there's still a Santa and a Gyra, so it didn't even make sense. Well, but, um, I guess in my mind, the issue more is that he's a Santa who keeps platforming Gyras. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think. I Santa think does kind of just sit there and go, whoa, what if that is yeah. true as Gyra is like knocking buildings down? <laughs> I know. <laughs> When they when they uh, fight at the end, like Santa's just kind of like chill out, bro, chill out, bro, and then uh, Guy was just like freaking out, rah, rah, rah. and then Santa's like, okay, I guess we're gonna do this. Okay, spoiler alert: you're giving up all the deep you're crevices right. and and themes of this movie right off the bat. So let's <laughs> let's back up a little. Okay. <laughs> uh, should we uh, go into what this movie's about? Sure. Um. First, I want everyone to promise that they're not going to laugh at me. We okay. promise. All right. Thank you. Um, I was also waiting just for the audience to make up their mind. If you're listening and you didn't promise, then you can fast forward three minutes. Otherwise, you can go ahead and listen. 1966, Japan. Apparently a good place to be if you're a Frankenstein, because society here just seems to accept your existence. Which is why when a ship and a giant octopus are both owned by a Frankenstein, the surprising part isn't that there's a giant humanoid monster, it's that the giant humanoid monster is in the ocean. Everyone knows that Frankensteins are land monsters. Mary Shelley would be rolling in her grave if she knew about this. Nobody tell her. We don't want her to break any of her bones from rolling around so much. Well, like the song I just wrote that everyone knows says, When there's something strange attacking your octopus, who are you going to call? Frankenstein unit, when there's something big and it doesn't look good, who are you going to call? Frankenstein unit, I ain't afraid of no Frank. I ain't afraid of no Frank. Can't uh, make fun of me. Uh. <laughs> Can't make fun of me. That's right. They call up jo Dr. Jacoby, I mean Dr. Stewart, at the Frankenstein unit. Stewart insists that he doesn't know of any water Frankensteins, only a land Frankenstein that ran away from his study. Well, apparently that land Frankenstein's who henceforth should be called shall be called Sanda, DNA hooked up with some plankton and created a man-eating water Frankenstein, henceforth called Gyra. The military chases Gyra into the mountains and has him on the ropes until Sanda pops up his ugly head in to save his little bro. The happy reunion is short-lived, however, as Sanda does not approve of his brother's man-eating ways. Sibling rivalry turns very violent, and Gyra runs away to attack Tokyo. 
Sanda follows in pursuit, and the two duke it out, creating rubble in their wake. Their fight takes them into the ocean, where the military unleashes on them, causing an underwater volcano to erupt, which swallows the warring gargantuas as they grapple in each other's arms, engulfed in a watery, watery lava-y demise, while entangled in the arms of the one who both loves them most and hates them most. The end. That was excellent. Okay, so I feel like there's been this theme through the like uh basically a year now that we've been working on this podcast where we've both like seen a lot about this movie like people just getting really excited about this movie like it just felt like we were building up to this for a long time yeah. i remember when you watched frankenstein conquers the world you were like i think i had my bar too low because i remember people really liked it but i think i was thinking of war of the gargantuas on like the anniversary on twitter people were talking about how it's like their favorite and all this stuff so expectations Pretty friggin' high. What'd you think of this yeah. movie? Uh, first off, I wanted to ask. I forgot. Did you did you find a, a subtitled one? I did, but I only really watched the dubbed one because it the subtitled one wouldn't play on my setup, and so I started watching it on my phone, and I realized it wasn't much better, so I just went back to the subtitled oh. one. Anyways, I watched it subtitled. Did I like it? So, the first time I watched it, I really wasn't in the mood, and like you said, I had high expectations for it. Uh, that was kind of lowered because you texted me not so good things about it. And I just I, said to manage your expectations. That's yeah, all I said. I only liked it more than you because I told you I was going to like it more than you, but I don't. <laughs> I didn't like that I liked it more than you. Um, you don't even know what I thought of it. I you seem very disappointed. You're like, oh man, I wasted my night. Oh man, I did not do. That. And then I follow that with society. Oh man, I think I'm done. <laughs> okay, with Okay, you're right. Maybe there was some. Of, I was crying a lot alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, I was, I was kind of a little bit bored by it. I, I because there's a lot of focus on just like the military trying to stop them, which is always kind of my my least favorite part of these movies. Like I'm going to like the, just the weird and crazy stories and worlds that they create. And sometimes these movies get too bogged down and just like the military trying to come up with different ways to stop them. And just like scenes of them firing at them over and over and over. Um, which it felt the first time I watched it, that there's a lot of that in this. Um, but then the second time I watched it, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, nice. uh, I had a couple of drinks in me. Um, and I just I had a I had a blast with it. So I think maybe it was just a combination of like you said, expectations and I just wasn't in the right frame of mind when I first watched it. Uh so yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty solid, pretty good one. I still don't totally get why people like consider so many people consider this one of the top kaiju movies. But uh I definitely I definitely vibed with it. Nice. What about you? Um, this movie fucking sucks. I really don't <laughs> like it. Like, I... Are you serious? <laughs> yes. It's so bad. Like, yeah, they focus on the wow. military a lot, but it'd be one thing if the military stuff actually had weight, but, like, everything they talk about with the military doesn't even happen. Like, they talk about the That's napalm. True. They don't even bring it back yeah. up. They talk about, oh, it could split into all these pl pieces. Like, everything cool... 
doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, can you imagine how cool this movie would be if they actually blew it up and then it turned out yeah. there were, a th- even if the very last shot was just like, oh no, there's going to be a thousand, that would be a thousand times better than this. Um, yeah. Um, Gremlins is a great movie. Exactly. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I did have high expectations, but like, I really liked Frankenstein, Conquers the World, Frankenstein versus Baragon, and they just undid all the act. We'll go into it, but they undid everything with the actors in that. I These actors. I'm didn't... so confused, like We're, how yeah. much of this is supposed to be in that the same universe. In... Those are the same people. Like I don't. We'll are they there. supposed to be the same people? Yes, we'll get there though. Oh, yeah, but with different names and shit. We'll get whatever. We'll get there in okay. a sec. But like, uh, I think it is. the The main actor is just such a fucking piece of shit. The the fighting, like, there are things I liked about it. Some of it, like, the opening sequence is really cool. Some of the fight stuff is cool. I like the ability for the kaijus to, like, do unique stuff. But, yeah, I really didn't like it. And then when I started reading about it, I realized, like, oh, we're in this weird pocket. Most people hate this movie. And I was, like started reading uh, Mushroom Clouds versus Mushroom Men. He calls it one of Honda's worst movies and has all these quotes of Honda being like, I didn't care about this movie. Like, uh, So I was like, okay, I'm not just a stick in the mud. Like, If people like it, that's great. The second time around, it was definitely like an okay ride, but I haven't been this bored with a kaiju movie fucking in so long. And Wow. But I'm wow. excited. Like, the more... At first when I watched it, I was like... I don't even know what to say about this. Like, there's no, nothing's jumping out at me. And the more I, like, kind of at work, I just, like, turned off my headphones and forced myself to, like, sit and just kind of think about the movie. And then I read some stuff about it. And I'm actually, like, way more excited to talk about it than I would be to watch it again. Because I think there's some, I mean, there's parts that will be fun to make fun of, and that's always a good time. Mm. But also, I think there's some, like, interesting, it's almost so blank that there's some interesting things that can be projected onto it. And there's also some actually weird shit going on with the monsters that I think will be fun to sink our teeth into. Okay. Um, yeah, I, that'll probably be mostly you talking to me going, Oh, whoa, bro. I never thought of it like that. Damn. That's cool. Um, <laughs> to skip that part and tell me what that <laughs> makes you think now that you have heard about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> We could. I could just, like, leave and you can just, like, cut that stuff I just said and, like, uh, paste it later in response to whatever you said. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, So, I was reading the Wikipedia page and apparently Brad Pitt said this movie is what um, inspired him to want to be an actor. I didn't and follow the link to see, like, what exactly he said. <laughs> so it's, very Yeah. It's curious. also Quentin Tarantino's, like, favorite kaiju movie or something. Yeah, um, and it, like, inspired a fight in Kill Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who else? Um, there are a couple others. That, I'm pretty that sure were... Quentin Tarantino also is one of the people that thinks it's a Vietnam film, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Uh, sometimes I feel like Quentin Tarantino just... Um, he's just like I want to be. I want to sound cool, so I love all these obscure, exactly uh, kaiju and Hong Kong uh, uh, kung fu movies and all this stuff. I mean, I mean he says his. I'm sure I know he does actually love them, but sometimes I yeah. feel like the name dropping of them is just totally talk about how big of an influence and 
I, yeah, sometimes I feel like he gets carried away because he knows it makes him sound cool. Yeah, when I saw the thing with him and Brad Pitt, I just rolled my eyes and was like, yeah, right, shut yeah. up. Like, come on. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't think... I don't, like, actively hate this movie. Like, I... Like, there's... There's movies that we've watched that I feel are almost, like, offensive. And this one, actually, I do feel is offensive in certain ways, but you have to, like, be thinking about it. But this one didn't, like, hmm. offend me watching it. I was just like, okay, the things that are cool about this, we've done, we've seen, we've talked about. Yeah. There are some unique things, but they're just kind of outweighed by, like, the abysmal acting performance and writing and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, enough about general... Wow feelings and stuff um well i do want to say though i want to point out that brad pitt he probably decided to get into acting because of gyra which basically means he decided to be an actor because of me that's true that's true okay did you have uh, before we move on like generally uh well do you have a favorite shot just to start off yeah um there's two shots i want to give a shout out to uh, one is when there's that small fishing boat going across and they look down and Gyra's just right under the surface of the water looking up at them with a big grin on his face. That was, that's, the, that's my favorite. That's what I have. Yeah. That's <laughs> that so good. Rules. It looks cool too. It's like a perfect I know. Mix. It does look really cool it and it's super sick, silly. But it's so funny. It's just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just like what he just like chills like right under the surface usually like, I don't it's so weird um can he breathe underwater uh literally so. no one knows it doesn't matter okay. but yeah I mean I think so yeah um and then the other shot I really liked was when there's the youth walking through the forest and all of a sudden you see the from their perspective uh it's like in between the tr the trees and there's like a huge layer of fog and you see Gyro kind of like um, just drew that haze of fog. Mm. And I think it, it pans from the bottom like up and then it cuts to their reaction and then it cuts back and he like emerges from the fog. It's just kind of a really I, – I love fog. Everybody knows that fog is right after snow for me. The great job, John Carpenter movie. So that, that's a great shot. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, was there any other, like, film-related stuff? Like, I don't feel like this one is as mm. well-made as a lot of... Yeah, I mean... Um, stuff, but, like... Is that Ifukube, uh, uh, military music? Was it... It sounded... Was it unique to this? Like, it, it wasn't as much been. of a replay it, it, as we usually You know, they hear, all are still... kind of similar, but I don't think it was... Yeah. It wasn't the Godzilla one, that's for sure. No, no, it definitely wasn't the Godzilla one. But, yeah, um... I don't know, but it's it's just kind of standard for for these movies. Uh, so I I don't know. I just pointed that out. Not not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Um, sure. Although it does get a bit like in a lot of these, they kind of repeat the same music over and over a little bit too much throughout the movie. One one musical thing I liked is the very first thing you hear is a theremin, which is pretty awesome. Um, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is just that a is little. Neat. Yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I had um, one part I actually thought directing-wise and editing-wise was pretty cool, and that's when uh, Gyra is going at the airport and everyone's running, and the shots of, like, people running were just really dynamic, like, just totally, like, 
broke through the rest of the kind of, you know, classic Honda long still shots with like close, like zoom ins of like people's feet on steps and then like quick moves of the camera. And I, it just felt really like modern and different and actually added something that felt cool to the scene. I'll agree with that, but I'll also say during that sequence, some of the merging of um, Gyra with the the scenery around him did not seem to work well for me. It kind of just felt very often fake. I mean, fake might might not be the right word. It's not like I'm saying they're watching Godzilla and be like, "Oh, he's right there," but like it just felt not not as well done as some of the other ones we've seen like for sure really jumped out to me like oh that that doesn't look right that makes sense for sure yeah okay so we haven't even mentioned yet or i guess we did a little but this is a sequel to frankenstein versus baragon slash frankenstein conquers the world um which fucking crazy movie we talked about already if you haven't listened to it you should probably check that out and listen to ours before. It starts out with, like, uh, Hitler and the bombing of Hiroshima. It's a trip. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess Hitler's not in it, but he's mentioned there's Nazis. It's Frankenstein. It's a goddamn film. Um, so this is a sequel to that, and let's go into the ways that it is. Or Let's just talk about these connections, because this is not a traditional sequel. Like, you know... Uh, yeah, I in fact I have no idea. Like I wouldn't even I don't know like what the intended, how much of the same universe is supposed to be, or if it's wasn't supposed to be like basically at all. I like no idea because so much <laughs> of it lines up, but it's all so off too that I'm just like I, I don't know if they're just jumping off from the same points or if it's actually supposed to be the same universe. So. My understanding is that this is a sequel. Everybody calls it a sequel, and they make a lot of references. So, I don't know. I think it's a sequel done weird. Like, I mean, we've had this thing in the past where we're talking about these old movies where, like, you know, you don't have these at home to watch. And so, it's just a different time. Like, nobody's going doing YouTube videos on whether, like... Uh, Iron Man suit has the same like nicks in it as the last one like they could just kind of undo Nerds. stuff like stuff in the second Godzilla yeah. didn't make sense so in my mind that's all that was happening they just were like oh we can kind of retcon whatever we want because nobody's gonna remember they saw it a couple years ago or last year I guess mm-hmm. but I don't fucking know um like I'm not even clear on the main part of like let's say this is a sequel because whether or not it is the some of the events of the original did happen right because frankenstein died in the mountain and they say that and then they're i'm not even sure if they're clear in the movie that like santa is that frankenstein or whether both are pieces you know what i mean i yeah i didn't know this was just like even even if this was the same universe i didn't know this was just like a separate frankenstein because they all seem to be very accepting of the concept of frankenstein's but um, at the same time, like, there's a cop that's like, stop talking about green monsters. Stop making well, shit no. up. But, but that cop, he's, like, getting all mad. He's like, what are you talking about? Uh, 
you're crazy or whatever. And like, so I'm first watching it and be like, okay, yeah, obviously he's calling him crazy because he's talking about how he saw a giant Frankenstein. But then they're like, we didn't find any Frankenstein there. And you're like, okay, they're just using that as proof that obviously this guy's crazy. But then he's like, I'm going to call the Frankenstein specialty <laughs> unit. And I'm like, oh, so your problem isn't that he's talking about a giant green monster. Your problem is that you didn't find the giant green monster. <laughs> but he even says like enough with green. Yeah, I don't. So I literally just think they don't care. I think that's a lot of it. Is that they okay. just didn't put the time. I mean, this was made one year after. And Frankenstein Conquers the World was a huge success. And back then, mm. you know, you didn't make the it sequel. conquered the world. Yeah. And back then, yeah. you didn't make the sequel better. You just made it fast so that you could do it, right? Yeah. Um. Well, so yeah, I don't know. I think either Sanda is the original Frankenstein who didn't die even though he fell in the the... Uh, lava and just looks different because everything looks different in this and gyra is a piece of him or they're both pieces of him that one evolved grew up big on a mountain one grew big in the water i don't know don't care that uh -huh. much but it's weird that we don't know like is it i guess we're supposed to believe that his theory about the cloning is correct but um that just like some of the DNA scraped off and merged with some plankton to form a uh, gyra. I guess we're supposed to believe that, but then it never. So my version is said fed on plankton. It didn't say. I thought it, they just meant the piece grew and then he just ate plankton. Oh, okay. I th thought mine said that it like kind of merged with plankton or something like that, but maybe it was eaten. I don't. Mm. I don't remember. Okay. Um, but my point is just that. Like, if that's the case, then this is a fucking giant thing, like, running around all these areas that would scrape off DNA and, like, yeah. it's being shot a bunch. Uh, like, well, there, and in would the first a, one, there would be more. <laughs> the hand was, like, it doesn't fit with the first movie. Yeah. The hand was yeah. crawling and then, like, he got blown, <laughs> taken apart a ton of It just doesn't work. No, it makes no sense. So, um... And if that was the case, then they do have a duty to... It's like in Gremlins, where it's like, as a viewer, I love Gizmo, he's the cutest thing ever, but really the uh, moral thing would be to just kill him. Because yeah. letting him live, like letting Santa live, like that's just going to lead to just like nonstop destruction of these things that... These monsters that are just going to keep being birthed off him. Um yeah. Right? I I mean, I you're you just said right to a moral question in this fuck shit brain <laughs> warp of a movie. I could not answer it. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. No, I'm just like, no, just let the bros fight everyone else die because whatever happens next will have nothing to do I can't tell you what cause and effect are. I don't okay. know. <laughs> Everybody will just turn into a different person anyway. <laughs> okay, let's let's back up to the beginning of the movie because you wanted to talk about the octopus. Um, yeah, so I didn't fully remember the ending of uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World. So I was like, oh yeah, he fights an octopus at the end of that. That's kind of cool how this rhymes with that movie by opening with an octopus fight. Um, but then I realized, wait, that was like the alternate ending yeah. that... 
you know, doesn't officially exist. So that doesn't really make sense. Um, right. But that fight was put it. That fight was put in there in the first place, I guess, because the American producers like loved the octopus fight in Godzilla versus Kong so much yes. that they wanted that. So I guess maybe this was them being again like, okay, we cut it out of uh, of Conquers the World, but let's get into this one. In fact, let's just get in right off the bat so we don't have to yeah. worry about it later. <laughs> well, um, Peter H. Brothers in Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men, the book, was saying that like he was using it as an example of how confused this movie is of like where it, he was like, okay, it's like they're trying to tie this movie to the last by starting off with Frankenstein fighting the octopus, mm-hmm. but just kind of redoing it, which, like, I watched that alternate ending in the first one, and it's horrible. They're on a mountain. There should be no octopus. They just kind of squiggle <laughs> hug, and it's just bad. This is amazing. This is super yeah. sick. But Peter yeah, Brothers so cool. was like, that just confuses you more because it turns out that's... Even if the other one is Frankenstein, this one's not. So why is a yeah. different one fighting the octopus? It's also just a super weird opening because we open with a sh- ship and it's being attacked by this giant octopus. And oh my gosh, giant octopus is going to kill them all. But wait, this uh, this uh, monster comes out and it attacks the octopus and it kills the octopus. It saves the ship and then like immediately like it attacks the ship. So it's kind of confusing where like it sets it up in the audience's mind. We're like, oh, this is a good monster. Yeah. And then immediately like, oh, never mind. Totally. Um, it's just kind of a weird way to introduce the the evil character is him doing something that on the surface seems kind of benevolent. <laughs> Definitely. In, in, in my mind... Like, yeah, because that's sorry, that just makes me think like, yeah, you'd think like, oh, maybe it's like he just wanted to eat the octopus. So he wasn't trying to save them, but he just it's it's almost like he wanted to attack the ship. And he's like, no, yeah, me first. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> no, this is my boat to play with. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to say, that's the coolest scene in the movie shot, like directing. Like, it's it's like, remember the first one Um, you were saying, wow, they really set me up for a different tone because there was like the gothic graveyard and the laboratory. Yeah. This does yeah. that too. Like this is such yeah. a fucking well done scene. It's almost to me like the people were like, "Man, we really fucked up with the octopus or <laughs> or, or the devil fish as they called it." Because originally in the U.S. Yeah. it was called Frankenstein versus the devil fish because of that five minute fight. Like we really fucked that up. Let's do it right. And they did. I thought that was a sick scene. Yeah, I I, I like that scene a lot. Um, I mean, I love tentacle creatures, so I love me some octopus. Um. Do you I think, think that there's uh, any uh, Gyra tentacle porn on the internet? Internet's a big place. Keep that in mind. I mean, even if it's a small place, I still say hopefully. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, hopefully. That's not what I asked. I didn't say do you hope. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably. Should we take like a one-hour Google break? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think we'll have to cut this because I don't want to sound like ignorant, like we don't know about our kaiju stuff, <laughs> since we don't already know. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool way it starts off with uh, kind of like this, kind of like sets up like a horror movie where this uh, creeping tentacle behind the unsuspecting sailor yes. and then it attacks and... Um, Although I was thinking, like, I feel like the tentacles would be a lot bigger because the size of the yes. body of the octopus is, like, bigger than the ship. And then, like, the tentacle is, like, like a little bit bigger than, like, maybe, like, uh, three, the size of, like, three human arms or something. Like, it's uh, too small, for sure. Yeah, it's just... Uh, 
but yeah, that that was a wonderful scene. That was an awesome fight. Um, and great introduction to a great movie. Yeah, it's... I personally <laughs> was, like, so excited during that scene and the opening title cards being pretty cool theremin. I was like, okay, this mm-hmm. is going to be different. And then as soon as we got to the... I'm going a little off topic, I'm sorry. But as soon as we got to the next <laughs> scene, I was like, oh, no. Like... we're back to the worst things in honda movies where it's like we now have a mystery where we're along for the ride to try to figure out what happened about a thing we already saw (laughs) it's like really you're like who did it who like tell us the truth and it's like we know what happened who fucking came (laughs) that was like a minute but like what's happening here and it was all to me downhill from there but that scene is fucking sick um Let's get to a thing that you you were talking about before. Where one of the weirdest things about this movie. So there's three main characters. There's scientists. There's the American white dude who's clearly the main dude. Russ there, Tamblin. Yeah. There's um the woman who's like kind of seems like second in command, and and she's played by uh, Kumi Mizuno, who's from the last movie. Okay. And then there's one more scientist kind of in the background with them a lot. Um, Majida, who's also in the last movie, played by Kenji Sahara. And so it's the same three roles, but the guy whose name was Bowen is now Stuart. Sueko (laughs) is now Akemi. And Kawaji is now Majita. But Mm -hmm. they have kind of the same... And we'll go more into characters in a bit, so we don't really need to dive here. But, like, they're clearly supposed to be the same fucking people. Yeah. And But they treat each other different. They act different. One of the actors is different. We'll go into why later. But, like, their names are different, dude. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, it's very... Yeah, that was an, I, that was another thing where I was like, I don't know if this is supposed to be the same universe or not. Like, I don't know how much of this is supposed to be a sequel and how much is supposed to be independent. Um, I, it just why would yeah. it be independent, but exactly the same in so many ways? Yeah. Like, I, even if, no matter, I don't really care what it's supposed to be. This is what it is. And it's <laughs> half the same, half different. And it does, like, it's not like we, like... We we knew that movie pretty well. We watched this movie a couple times. It's fucking batshit, dude. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Yeah, well, I mean, it could be like, well, these are the parts of the, the last movie that we like, so we're just going to keep them and rewrite them because this is a totally separate universe and this is a new... Okay. Sorry. I, I, okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but let's just take out all the good parts and rewrite them to be bad. Like... I mean, we'll get into characters more. The part that really made me start being like, okay, what the fuck's happening is the flashback. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that... yeah with, the, with the furry monkey boy. <laughs> what um... the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> She's just I... like, I remember. And I was like, oh, finally, some grounding. We're going to see a mm-hmm. shot from the last movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really funny because he basically just looks like a monkey a monkey boy (laughs) he's a little monkey puppet 
little weird monkey on the couch while the doctors, the two doctors, Stuart and, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Majita are, are like looking at the monkey, turning dials on a machine that's very clearly off. Like it has a screen and the screen is gray and they're just turning dials. I I didn't notice that. It's so funny dude it's like, it, I, I, I was just focused on on the little santa i don't blame you i do not blame you i think it was in peter h brother's book that he mentioned it and so i looked again and it's like one of those things it's like that uh video of like the gorilla playing basketball the guy in the gorilla suit and you're yeah. like how did i not see that it's like fucking in your face they're uh it's uh, like I almost felt like this is, it felt like gaslighting. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, he, we got him when he was a baby monkey. There wasn't the whole thing where he was a waif in the streets and we threw meat at him from the balcony after he got hit by a taxi. That never happened. That'd be crazy. He was a milk drinking monkey baby. Yeah. It's also a weird scene. Uh, even outside of the whole context of how it's different than the last movie, it's also weird because they're using this as examples of how Santa is like actually a good Frankenstein. It's like yeah. we jo- we joked around and drank milk together. It's like that's like your heavy. That's like your <laughs> sentimental like point of why you love this Frankenstein because yeah, you drink milk together. <laughs> I don't. I don't see why this is what they chose to kind of convey that. <laughs> It's like, look, Attila the Hun and Stalin and Hitler were all chill because, look, we drank milk with them when they were babies. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything, dude. <laughs> yeah, I really want to say um, if there is a Frankenstein unit in the American government um, and you need somebody to like do errands and just like try to make jokes like nonstop all the time and only like one tenth of them actually land uh and it's actually kind of annoying and you'd rather have just have none no jokes and just the one tenth jokes that land i'm available to be hired so i would love to work at a frankenstein unit fucking cop you fucking cop Dude, Frankenstein unit. Yeah, you're chasing down Frankenstein, dude. No, the Frankenstein unit in this, we're trying to protect the Frankenstein. No, they called Frankenstein unit because Frankenstein was there. Did Frankenstein unit have any say in this unit? Okay, um, let's back up. First of all, first of all, it's very obvious that you cannot say Frankenstein unit without someone thinking of Frankenstein's big old dick. Second of all, he had no say I'm in this. All about that. He had no. You want to do another Google break? <laughs> I wonder how many dicks they pulled up from the graveyard to make Frankenstein's dick. <laughs> like they, they, you, Doctor Frankenstein went way too hard with this. We need a whole unit to deal with the situation. Way too hard with this? Is that what you said? I knew it when I said it that it was good. <laughs> I was picturing a big floppy Frankenstein dick, but I get why you made the joke. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, can't believe you would work for the government to track Frankenstein, even if it's ostensibly for. Ugh. Look at, I. I'm the one who admitted the truth that I would totally love to own a Shobajin. and you're out here being all I'm all moral, and that's that's wrong of you. When we all know that you would also own a Shobajin. No, I'm just no. I I say what other people are afraid to say. We knew you were Gyra and I was Sando, okay? We knew it the whole time. It was obvious. I hate to say it. <sighs> For reasons we'll go into, it's that's a loaded thing. Okay, so we got the fucking weird monkey flashback. And then, right then, you know, we're finally feeling like, okay, you know, maybe this movie is connected, maybe it's just retconning, maybe it's not. They seem aware of each other, at least, okay? Mm. And then fucking Stuart brings up a Nazi reference. <laughs> why? Oh, when they're walking through the forest? Yeah, yeah why <laughs> you gotta do that to us, man? We were all, I... we were trying so hard to be with you. But, like, <laughs> the last movie was literally, like, the first ka ka uh, first kaiju movie, maybe first Japanese movie I know of, where, like, the, J the Japanese were, like, talking about how they worked with mm. fucking Hitler and how, like, Hiroshima being bombed was tied to them working with the fucking Nazis. And then Russ Tamlin said, what does he say? Um, He talks about how when they took Paris, uh, the youth were out in like the theaters and clubs because they're they're they they blossom under danger or something like that or because like what can they do about it so like they were just calm uh -huh. and he's like that's how it should be no worries <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying as a film right now um i think he was just doing my technique of whenever i'm on a date with a lady i'm just i try to woo them by bringing up uh nazis Whenever you're on um, a date with a lady that you used to clearly have, like, a pretty good relationship with in the first movie, but now you're just fucking weird and ignore her and shit. Uh, yeah, that's the story of my life. Alright. That's why I don't have many third dates. <laughs> that's, that's the second date conversation. You you consult the, the notepad. <laughs> you're like, okay, it's too early to talk about Frankenstein's dick or tentacle porn, but it's just right time to talk about how the kids were just, you know, chilling in the cafes before it all went down. I just feel weird even casually talking about these topics, but the movie we're talking about casually talked about it. It's yeah. just so weird, dude. Yeah, that's it's super weird because I, it's just like out of nowhere, and they just say it and just move on, and it's just like yeah, <laughs> there's, there's there's no reason for it, especially because there's a thousand wars you could pick and a thousand mm -hmm. battles where you're talking about how people were like unaware, and sometimes there's things outside of your control, and sometimes the destruction mm -hmm. it's like systematic, and the people aren't actually like you should just enjoy your life because who knows when you're gonna be bombed, but they pick the most atrocious atrocious mm -hmm. like event in history that also happens to be what the first movie was referencing yeah. in a really weird way tonally already. <laughs> <It's> 
not to mention also it's like an atrocity that the Japanese are kind of complicit with. Yes. So, it's like, and the only white guy in the movie, the American, yeah. is kind of being like, and what can you do, you know? Kind of just vibe. <laughs> I mean, the way the American in Yeah, let's 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 segue into characters with talking about this dude because like so you and I had a running joke in the first in in the Frankenstein Conquers the World one where like it was so weird. First of all, the setup. There's this it's so weird that uh what was his name? Nick Adams? Yeah. That his character is working like to help victims of Hiroshima. But, like, they're all, like, thanking him and praising him and giving him gifts. But, like, America's the one that bombed Hiroshima. And then he... So we had this whole joke where we're, like... uh, Like, you said something like, uh, when I see any white, straight American male, I say, thank you for your service. Or, like, yeah, I said, like, I'd give him my Still seat do. on the plane. Like, it was as if he's, like, whatever, a person of honor. Because we were making fun of how Nick Adams Still do. I was in line today at a Target, and there was this white guy behind me. I said, "Oh, sir, you go right ahead. Thank you for your service." I and then another white guy came up behind me. I said, "Oh, sir, you go right ahead. Thank you for your service." That's kind of why uh, I I almost had to cancel tonight because I got stuck for a couple hours. Because you're in Missouri, Target. and there's a lot of them. <laughs> I was like a lot of white men go in front of me. You seem to be having an identity crisis where you don't yeah. realize. Anyway, we made the joke because of that. And this dude just, it's like he heard the joke and was like, how can I play <laughs> Nick Adams' character even more of a like special <laughs> little white boy, you know? See, I was, I was kind of conflicted because do you have a history with Russ Tamlin at all? Yeah, I hate him because he's in this movie. <laughs> Before this movie, <laughs> no, I know he was in like West Side Story or something. But yeah, I I don't I didn't recognize him. Okay, he um, unless is he Garfunkel in Simon and Garfunkel? The band? Yeah. Or is there a is there a movie? No, the band is is, is okay. he Garfunkel? <laughs> I couldn't tell if this was a joke or there was like a a biopic that he starred in. <laughs> in the um, 60s like like when Simon and Garfunkel were just starting. good point <laughs> no um, I don't know this dude okay so around this time yeah so he was in some bigger stuff earlier like, like you said West Side Story was probably his biggest one um, and then he was around this time he kind of drifted away from more serious stuff and he kind of or more not serious stuff more um uh, big popular stuff and he kind of I guess he was obsessed with art or something and he got in a more weirder and more exploitation type of films so uh, he was in a lot of movies by Al Adamson who was this crazy he's considered like one of the worst directors ever he was just like turned out like uh, movies non-stop just uh, schlocky stuff Um, I like him but uh totally get why everyone hates him but he, yeah russ tamlin was like in a handful of his movies like uh satan sadist and a few others interesting but um i i really i didn't get the time to but there's a documentary on al addison where russ tamlin talks about this period in his life and they go over a little bit i kind of wanted to check it out to see if they mentioned this movie at all but 
I didn't get around to it. Um, anyways, and then he is uh, Dr. Jacoby in Twin Peaks, which is my initial introduction oh, to him. Oh, um, he's so much older than I didn't recognize him. Yeah, so I kind of like going into this. I knew that I had completely forgotten he was in this. Um, I used to know, but yeah, so going in, so I was like, oh my God, I forgot that he was supposed to be in this. So I was pretty excited. Um, so I had this conflicting thing where it's like I, I, I naturally kind of like him, but uh, yeah, his character's pretty shitty. I mean, he's terrible, not just the character, but the actor. Like, I mean, he just seems like he's not there. Like, as an actor, he just <laughs> seems like he doesn't care. And uh-huh. I read that he was really bored um, while, like, he didn't like the script and he just didn't care. Yeah. And you can just tell. Like, it just, I don't know. Did you yeah. get that vibe? Yeah. Um, yeah, I also, I read that, like, he didn't like the script and he improvised a lot of his lines without uh, Honda's uh, approval. Okay. Um, which people took as an insult you know, the Honda and the crew, which is understandable. But I think, like I brought up, he was in Al Adamson's movies, and I feel like um, in the documentary on Al Adamson, he talks about his monologue, his, uh, this great monologue in Satan Sadist that I'm pretty sure he, he completely improvised. So I wonder if it wasn't as much as him just being a dick about the script itself as just he kind of liked to improvise stuff. Sure. But I... I mean, I could be wrong about that, but um, but yeah, everything I've read is like he was an asshole during the during the whole shoot. Um, it's hard to tell too because I don't know what's improvised and I don't know what's written. But I assume yeah. it was all written. Um, I didn't realize he improvised, and his character is a piece of shit. Like he's su- he's just the <laughs> pinnacle elite white dude. Like he literally just. <laughs> He, like, ignores everyone. He says shit that Akemi says and gets the credit. Like, she has ideas, and then he says them. And then, like, Mamiya suggests that the monsters are brothers, and Stuart's like, I don't think so. And then is like, so they're brothers. And people are like, that's an interesting theory. Like, it's, like, so... (laughs) Just, like, it's almost like a a satire of, like, how, like, the tall white dude's treated in meetings. Like... yeah, it's also, like, he never really has any kind of emotional conviction no. throughout. Like, like he's on the side of he wants to protect Santa, but he's never, like, he never feels emotionally invested at all, like, that he actually cares about protecting Santa. He's just like, yeah, I just want to, I think we shouldn't kill Santa. I think it would be bad if we did. I want to keep studying him. Yeah. And then whenever Akemi's in danger, he's, like, he's never, like, rushed to <laughs> no. save her, and he's never, like upset or worried like when he when she's uh grabbed and dropped by um gyra at the end uh he, she's like knocked out and she comes to he has like a smile a smile on his face yeah. and it's not like he's just smiling because she just woke up but like he just it's more like a smile like he was never really worried and he's just like oh this is all a big joke and isn't this fun yeah like, <laughs> and dude i feel like um kumi mizuno akemi was acting her ass off. Like, I feel like she was mm-hmm. awesome. She carried yeah, the movie she was really to me. Good. And it, because she was next to him so much and all these other actors, it it literally feels to me like she's a human in 
like Space Jam, like a movie where it's all cartoons <laughs> and they just can't quite sync it up where they're reacting to her. Cause like mm-hmm. she's actually acting and like, yeah, there's these scenes where like, yeah, she's screaming and he's just like, hold on now. Okay. Uh-huh, I'll get you. <laughs> like it just, I don't know. He's just not there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, there was that line too where there, it must've been the writing too. They're like, could this be the same Frankenstein? He's like, no, that Frankenstein died. Couldn't be the same one. And he hangs up the phone and then, uh, someone's like, this could be the same Frankenstein or something. And he's like, oh man, that could be like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I didn't like him, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's most people's opinions. And I was... Yeah, I mean, I, I generally agree, but like I said, there was that conflict within yeah. me because I like I, I have familiarity with this actor, um, totally. which is not the same familiarity as most people. Because although I I have seen West Side Story, but not since I was in middle school. But um, for sure, yeah. Uh, what What do you think of uh, Akemi? I mean, I already kind of told you what I thought a little bit. Yeah, uh, like you said, I, I thought the actress did a really good job. Um, this is like getting more into just uh, stronger female characters in the sense that she comes up with ideas on her own and she wants to like see through things. But like we said, like not strong in the sense that the film really kind of gives her credit for that. Yeah. It's recognized that, that that's happening, but there is that writing that she does feel like she is a person who, who, um, has her own set of attributes instead of just being uh, an accessory. Definitely. Uh, but uh, so we're getting there is what I'm saying. I, I, we've been, yeah, slowly getting there for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was kind of a weird step for the movie to take how at the end, uh, she was like in the climax, she is like when Santa comes to the city to follow, Gyra and uh, Stuart and her are afraid that the military is because he's in the city. The military is going to kill him too. And she's like, I'm going to go convince him to leave. And this time I'm going to save his life. And then she does absolutely nothing. She just goes out and gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like a super weird. Yes step for the movie to take and in, in both these movies she's like a strong central character as is often the case with the women in these movies she's like the moral especially at in this era she's like the moral center um mm-hmm. which we'll get to the very ending in a bit but i think she plays the biggest role in in the climax of the film or the very very ending of the film but in both of these she has that you know kind of central role but she ends up a damsel in distress in the last one and in this one twice uh, and yeah. it's just like, I mean, yeah, it's it's just interesting to be looking back at history and see them trying but not able to, like, let go of the biggest tropes. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. And, I mean, in the first one, the chemistry between her and Bowen was, like, a big part of the movie like they kind of had a weird date they had that whole joke about american humor and this one he's just ignoring her and they clearly like are they on a date when they're walking and he brings up nazis i don't know i mean probably since that's a classic second date move but like 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's just weird to strip kind of the human heart out of all of this. Yeah. It's like there's a Frankenstein heart there instead of a human heart. Whoa. Well, yeah. those can never die, so maybe that's for the best. <laughs> so lastly, we have Majida. Oh, first, sorry. Going back to Kumi, she is a fucking Godzilla heavyweight. Um, she was in the Yeah, movie. I I really, I mean, so is Sahara, but I really kind of, like, lost track of, like, who's who and what movies. Um, so, like, I couldn't tell you much. So what I really remembered it. her from was Invasion of Astro Monster. Okay. Um, and then, so she's in that, and then she's in Frankenstein, and then she's in this, and then later she's in Ibira, but she's even in like a what's it called Ibira Monster of the Deep, but she's even in like the late late stuff, like she's in Final Wars and against Mechagodzilla, like the two thousands stuff. Um, That's really neat. Yeah, it's super cool, and uh. Kenji Zahara, who plays Majida, tiny role in this, is in, like, every Godzilla movie, dude. He's in Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, Mothra vs. Godzilla, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah, and then a ton after this movie. Those were just ones before this movie. Yeah, that's... That's insane. (laughs) Especially for having no role in this. Yeah, this... It's weird. Like we said, he basically plays the same character as uh, the last movie, but it feels like he's even less in this. Like, they never, like, really fully introduce his character. He's just kind of, like, along the sidelines and just kind of just, like, interjects here and there. Yeah, Um, barely. Yeah, it's super weird. (laughs) So, um, Peter H. Because I feel like in the last one, he was kind of like a... He's a much bigger role, right? Yeah, he, like, um, in the last much one, more interwoven. he even is the one who has, I mean, he's the guy who can't stop being like, don't forget we have the hand. We got the hand. Yeah. Um, but he's the one with like the turn, like the big arc where he all of a sudden uh-huh. like goes bad and all that stuff. And yeah, so it's so weird that he's nothing in this, um, in Mushroom Cloud and Mushroom Men, I just want to read this one part if that's okay. Yeah. Um, Tamblin may have been bored, but he wasn't angry. Kenji Sahara was both. Brooding over his brief and insignificant cameo in Frankenstein, Sahara was deeply disappointed with the thankless role of Dr. Yuzo Mamiya, and understandably so. It wasn't that the part was small, it wasn't, or that the billing was bad, it wasn't. He received third billing and is listed first in the movie's trailer, but because the part is so poorly written, it would have been an embarrassment for any actor playing it. Which, that just made me think, maybe Kenji Zahara didn't play that role we're thinking of, and he had a smaller role in the last one. Yeah, brooding Mm. over his brief and insignificant cameo in Frankenstein. So maybe this is actually just a different character, because I don't really remember who that was. Yeah, maybe. I don't don't remember either. Either way, super insignificant role in this one. I mean, he's clearly filling Mm. the role that that character we're thinking of had as like the third scientist right yeah and the third scientist who also is kind of like uh doesn't care if uh the frankenstein dies or whatever yeah and like Um, constantly being overshadowed by the american mm -hmm. for sure yeah i don't have a ton to say about him it's just fucking weird 
So Nick Adams isn't in this movie. Main no. character of the last movie. Do you know why? I do not, but I'm sure that you are going to tell me, and so I will know why in a few seconds once I finish talking and let you talk in place of me. So I can't tell you why for sure. Go some ahead. people say <laughs> some people say that he was doing another movie, blah blah blah. But it is suspected that it's because of his relationship um with Kumi Mizuno, who played Akemi. So Oh yeah. Yeah. So they were both in Invasion of Astro Monster uh, together, and then they were in Frankenstein together, and then he divorced his wife and proposed to her, and she said no, and then he didn't do this movie. Did he end up... Yes. He didn't kill himself, yeah, did he? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I think in, in our Astro Monsters episode, I went over his, uh, all that, yeah. and... Talked about how sad it was. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. So I think that wow. that's a lot of people. I mean, it's the juiciest reason that he wouldn't be yeah. in it. So I tend to like, like people are like, oh, but that's I mean, why. Who fucking knows? It could have been scheduling, yeah. but also yeah. just some. It, it makes sense, but yeah, we don't know all the details of the stuff. But but it it definitely lines up and makes sense. And he's great in both those movies like i like him mm -hmm. as an actor in these movies and I, this movie would be so much stronger with him in it i think sorry garfunkel <laughs> sorry jacoby dr jacoby he loves hawaii charlie um, um what do you think about giant monsters i dig them i dig them so much Ooh. i would be a giant uh, no paragon reference I don't... What are you talking about? You dig them? Oh, yeah, that's what I... I, I love me some Baryon references. Hell yeah, super good. Can you dig it? <laughs> um, before we get into kind of more of the deep meaning of this movie, or not so deep meaning, we'll see. Uh, what'd you just think of the giant monsters in general? I... Uh... I, I, you mean like their looks or just even more general, just the looks? Um, um, I mean, you could start with the looks. Okay. I, I thought they looked pretty, I liked their look. I liked their, their costumes. Um, um, very, very ugly. <laughs> uh, I also thought that they had a good way of making them look kind of of the earth. Um, like their fur. Like the fur on um, uh, Gyra, like it legitimately looked like he was of the sea like and like seaweed kind of or like this seaweed yeah. type of stuff. Yeah, and um, uh, Sandos didn't just look like a like a brown. It kind of looked like it was like very earthy and just uh, it, it both like the texture wise, it just kind of seemed very of the earth and not just a fur. Yeah. Um, it reminded well, not, me not with the baby Santa, but but the adult Santa. Yeah, Santa bec probably because we saw the baby reminded me of like, like I don't know, like some movie about the medieval ages, like the 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 roof of like a hut, like the the straw you would, <laughs> you know, something like that. But, yeah, or like tufts of something in like a field, but mixed with like a primate, like something in between there. <laughs> And the yeah. other guy definitely looked just like some nasty sea trash, just some seaweed, uh -huh. like, uh, what else? Like, 
not plankton, plankton but <laughs> but what what do I have here? I have something written for him. Help. Algae. Algae. Algae seaweed combo, yeah. Did you notice um, the difference in their faces much? Yes, but I can't really specify off the top of my head like what exactly it was. Um Alright. I'll save they, that. They, they did seem very, very different to me. Um I'll save that for a little later. We'll go back to okay. faces. Also they're, they're very unique kaiju, um in that they're humanoids, which is a very unique thing in kaijus. Uh but also because they didn't need as bulky of a costume as you would if you're a giant lizard, it gave them increased agility, yes. which means they could run around a lot more. Like there's Gyra runs a lot in this, and uh, yeah, their 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 fight scenes are more like full on wrestling scenes than kind of uh, the, the very much more slow uh, lumbering fights we usually get between kaiju. Definitely. Uh, so I thought I thought that was pretty neat and unique and fun. Definitely. I think the the fights like it's kind of this weird mix where it's it doesn't feel as epic cuz it's clearly just people but it's like I don't know, they've been wrestling this whole time and now you just can tell it's dudes wrestling which like makes it faster and more <laughs> dynamic. I even feel like it was fast forward sometimes but also takes me out of it a little more but it's pretty cool yeah. and the running was awesome. Like, I loved one of them, like, just... Spr- it kind of reminded me of... Yeah. Remember King Kong versus Godzilla? Like, King Kong would just be running with his arms in the air, waving through buildings. <laughs> yeah. It was like that, but actually didn't feel as silly. It was just like, oh, yeah, you'd just be running and smashing <laughs> buildings. That was cool. I legit liked that. Um, that was funny in uh, the scene where... um. Gaira goes to Tokyo and he's walking around. It seems like every one of his footsteps is intentionally placed on top of a car. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he seems like he's just very intentionally trying to smash each car with each step. It's yeah, dude. I mean, you're funny. saying it yourself. He's kind of nature, so fuck cars. <laughs> cars yeah. bad for nature. <laughs> um, I really liked. I mean, God, I just. Anytime I say something like this, I'm like, Charlie's going to say, I know. I really liked when they were throwing the tanks and smashing the tanks, okay? I thought it was cool. I don't know. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. That was, that was great. <laughs> and like picking them yeah. up and throwing them, that's not something they could normally do well. And that was fucking cool. And like right. grabbing I debris said... from buildings they smashed and smashing tanks with that debris. When I say of course, I don't mean of of course you're gonna like that. I mean of course I agree too. That 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 stuff was awesome. Um, Pretty but awesome. You're right. I'm a dick, and I'm just gonna be a dick and say, yeah, I know, rabbit. <laughs> How obviously you like that? On God, this anarchist, Mr. anti-capitalist, military bad. Uh, I know I'm the only one listening to this anti-capitalist, <laughs> anti-state podcast that likes it when tanks are destroyed. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. 
people seem to really, really love, like when I was reading about this movie, the people who like it, like love the final battle in uh, the, the city, you know? Mm-hmm. And I liked parts. I liked them kind of like throwing each other and like falling into a building and it crashing. It looked cool. Yeah. But it didn't blow me away the way I feel like it's supposed to. I don't know how to put it. Um, it just felt um, like a kind of normal fight around the buildings. Like we've maybe maybe I've just seen too many of the movies of this era or something. I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you. Like I don't see why that's supposed to be amazing. I enjoyed the fights. I thought they're fun and enjoyable, but I don't see why it was like a standout um, battle. Totally. I will say, like, we're in an era where, you know, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster and coming up like Ibira, like, they, the budgets are getting smaller, and so they're starting to do mm. most of their big fights on, like, remote islands and all this stuff, and this mm. is bringing it back to big city stuff, which is, Being you know, city. Yeah. far better. If they had done that whole thing, you know, like a scarecrow watching in a cornfield, it wouldn't have been as good as it was. Yeah. And it's probably because the totally. first one did so well, they had a little more of a budget, I'm guessing, but who knows. Well, also because this was the last uh, one that was co-produced with, uh, was it UAP or the the American company? Yeah. Um, with yeah. Saperstein. Totally. So that probably also contributed to the budget. Good point. I forgot about that. That must have. Yeah. Um. What about their relationship? Um, look, brothers fight and brothers love. (laughs) I guess I just, I understood Gyra the whole time, right? Mm. He he attacks shit. He's pissed. You understand me. Yeah, exactly. That's why I've had so much practice. You look great in the (laughs) fog. Um, he, (laughs) he like... The you know, fuck is he trying to say? Well, you said he looked great in the fog earlier. Yeah, because he's ugly. Oh, I thought it was because he looked cool in the fog. I don't know. No, it was obscuring his ugliness, and I liked that. Shit, I fucked up, huh? Uh, so, yeah, I'm ugly. I get it. I'm sorry. I didn't know. That is why I relate to Guy, because I'm ugly. Can you Not just like put Santa. the tape back over the camera? I'm sorry I told you to take it off. <laughs> okay. I I get what he's doing. He's smashing shit. He doesn't belong there. He's from a different, you know, just like Kaiju. But then Santa is so confusing. Like, I didn't ever really get it. It's like he run up, runs up and he helps him. He's helping him, mm. then he's fighting him, then he's, like, doing hand signals to try to convince him not to fight, and then I kind of get it from there, because he's like, but it, I just never really understood what oh. the catalysts were for his changes in behavior, from, like, save to fight, to save to... Okay, I think I got this. Yes. Santa's first introduced to Gyra, he sees him being attacked by the military and hurt, he knows that's his brother, and he has a kind heart. So he wants to help Gyra. So that's why that why that happens. And then he comes back and he's from from out adventuring and he sees that Gyra is like just being a lazy slob after eating a fucking human. <laughs> and Santa is not into that shit. So like he amazingly just he, he immediately just gets super pissed off and his anger just comes and he can't control it. So he grabs a tree and starts attacking the sleeping Gyra. But then 
when uh, Gyra goes off and runs to Tokyo and starts doing destruction there, Santa gets more control over his emotions. He's like, all right, maybe I can reason with Gyra mm. and, and like calm things down, but then that doesn't work. So then they have to go out and start brawling. Okay. I think I picked up on more of that than I kind of realized. Cause yeah, that, that all, that all tracks for me. And I do think as much as it wasn't super clear, their relationship has more to it than any human characters in the movie. Like, yeah, totally. More than any other kaiju movie we've watched, they're the main characters, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Which, um, it's not because their relationship is so amazing, it's just okay, but know? the other stuff is pretty fucking empty. Yeah. Sparse. But uh, they do really kind of feel like siblings, like they do yes. kind of like have that, you know, fighting but loving kind of side to them, I guess, a caring side to them. And I think Nakajima... Uh, God, I can't even remember which one he played, but I think he said this was his favorite role in the kaiju uh, stuff, which makes sense. I mean, he actually, he's not in a horribly terrible suit. He didn't almost die, (laughs) which is... (laughs) He was Gyra. Yeah, okay, which is super rare. I mean, it makes sense they'd make him be Gyra because he's in the movie so much more. Yeah, Santa doesn't come to the second half of the movie. Yeah, totally. And I mean, Nakajima's the goat. He fucking killed it. Like, mm-hmm. both the people playing them killed it. They were awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they were great. Um, and Yeah, it, it really emphasizes how uh, it's not just a person in a suit. Like, they are kind of like, they are acting through their emotions. Um, because you really do pick up on that they are characters. Definitely. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I don't remember who played Frankenstein in the last one, but I don't think it's either of these folks. Um, no, I think it was some random guy because that was more because that was less of a suit and yeah. more of like you could actually see the person. Um, but I, I don't think that was anybody that had been a suit mation actor before. No, I think that was like his first movie ever, if I remember. Yeah. All right. Anything else with the giant monsters? Um, I love giant monsters. I do. I love and, them. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I also love small monsters. Yeah. Same. Hobgoblins, monsters gremlins. are just good. And like, dude, you ever yeah. think maybe the humans are the real monsters? Man, I think I've brought that up many times in oh. this podcast. In fact, I think you're just ripping me off. Then why did... Pay me! Why did Sanda care about a monster being killed? Fight his brother over it. Hmm. One of life's great Cause, mysteries. Because Santa has a little bit of human in him. Therefore, he's a little bit of a monster himself. All right. If we're getting this fucking deep, we might as well move <laughs> on to the themes. So, okay. um, there's a few, like I said, when I first watched this, I kind of, you know, didn't, I couldn't find much in it. I was kind of expecting before watching it, like a good versus evil film, which... Mm. It's not as much of that as I was picturing, although there's there's something there. But I guess I was going to throw out some different things I've either, either thought of or or come across while doing a little bit of reading on the movie. But first, do okay. you have, like, a way you read the film? Do you have, like, a, oh, this feels like what I think they were kind of trying to say? I never really read that much into it. Um Totally. Yeah, I don't know. It it just kind of felt like uh, 
sibling, like I just brought up, uh, just kind of siblings, uh, uh, battling, but also loving each other type of thing. Um, totally. But nothing particularly deep or anything like that. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I mean, I was actually like, I mean, you know, like sometimes I'm like, oh, what are we going to talk about in these movies? Blah, blah, blah. But this one for sure, it was like days of me being like, just pushing it out of my head because I'm like, it's just people fighting, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's go into some of the different interpretations because I'm actually kind of excited about these. Okay, cool. So the first one, which totally caught me off guard, was Vietnam. That this is about Vietnam. And that is the most common reading of this movie that I've seen. What? Yeah. I mean, it's 1966, heart of the Vietnam War. Does make sense there, right? Yeah. An American getting involved in an Asian conflict that he has no place in. Kind of, yeah. So (laughs) first, let's let's back up to when we were talking about the In the forest. Dude, if you look at their faces again... Sanda is a white dude, pale skin, like tan skin, thin nose, like very kind of stereotypically white dude features. I guess I can kind of see that. It's nothing that would really speak out, uh, uh, speak out to me. But like, if somebody's pointing it out, I can kind of, very kind of see it. See it. Um. Yeah. To me, like. Santa looks fucking white, but Gyra just looks, like, different. Like, his face is just more pronounced, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know how much of it I'm actually seeing or it's just being influenced by this conversation where I'm convincing myself I, I can kind of see it. Totally. But, okay. So, All right. so Santa are the good white people. <laughs> uh, well, let me let me read this thing from Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Man again. Peter H. Brothers. The movie contains allegorical references to the Vietnam War, then raging in Southeast Asia, with the green, aggressive, and somewhat Asian-looking Gaira, in parentheses, Vietnam, against the brown, Caucasian-looking, principled Sanda, in parentheses, America. Gaira is repeatedly unreceptive of any peace offerings made by Sanda, and, as if to reinforce this notion, in a scene shot specifically for the American version, Stewart considers their battle as being one between brother against brother, with the warmongering, quote, hawk, Gyra, fighting the peace-loving, quote, dove, Santa. <laughs> um, I, what? I mean, I, guess, I was about to say, why would Honda do this? But I guess because it would be a, an American co-production, they would have influence over it. But I, I don't... Not only that, but their whole culture, right, has kind of, like, uh-huh. to make up for World War Two and with all the stuff like us occupying them and them becoming hyper-capitalist, yeah. they've kind of taken on, like, some American stuff. And... Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, I, I know... Japanese and um they've always had a uh uh there's been a lot of like racism uh prejudice towards Koreans I I wonder how much of that um I wonder if there's any of that between Vietnamese and Japanese uh um yeah I couldn't 
I couldn't speak to that, of course, but I don't know. Even like just the idea that, I mean, Japan at this point, right, is like a capitalist nation. And then you have this war Mm -hmm. of people fighting for communism. So a studio is, you know, going to pick a side. Um, That's true. So, yeah, I mean, I was thinking like, but I can't see Honda taking that position. But also it's like wouldn't fully be his choice whether or not he takes that position so well and classically especially uh, at this point he's a pushover he yeah you know uh and i i also just don't even know much about him like i know like some of the general themes but i still don't know specifically what his opinions on the vietnam war would sure. be so yeah um, um one of the things peter h brothers said was that like and just like the vietnam war there's no clear winner at the end and I'm like, first of all, there is a clear winner at the end of the Vietnam War. America lost. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're going into some like Jean Baudrillard saying America won because we got to make the Vietnam movies showing that like we are critical of it and have grown whatever. Unless you're getting like really abstract, like the Viet Cong kicked our asses. And yeah. second of all, this was 10 years before the end of the Vietnam War. So what? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Um, but yeah, I mean, I could see if you're looking at that angle, man, what a fucked up movie, if that's what's going on. I'm not saying that's what's going on, but if that's what's going on, pretty fucked up. <laughs> Agreed. I I really don't see that as what's going on, but um, I'm a simple man. We all know that. Like Gyra. Yeah, I I do not want to read it that way because it's just like, oh, like, I mean, just the idea that America is like trying to help and they're just begrudgingly refusing is just so offensive. Um, yeah, you say that and yet so many Americans hold that position in general when it comes to uh, relations with other countries. 100%. And I mean, I would not be surprised if the higher ups in in corporations in Japan feel and felt that way too, you know? Mm -hmm, Um, Totally. I mean, in a lot of ways, people thought of it as, you know, the uncivilized versus the civilized. Yeah. Um, And I mean, you brought this up when I first mentioned Vietnam, but I think it is kind of valid in the reading of like, this is a very different setting than we're used to as far as like trees are getting mowed down by Mm -hmm. the military. And it, yeah. There's also the points where uh, Gyra and Sand are like hiding, and they're just uh, their fur works as like natural camouflage, and they, mm. they like kneel down among the trees. Um, so that was like one of the first things that came to mind when I read in the outline that you put the Vietnam War is like that. That is very uh, evocative of. of that if you if you want to kind of read into it that way well and another thing kind of like we were saying with with dune um 2021 of like the the fremen coming up from the ground and the uh harkonnens and the empire coming down from the sky you have you know the americans coming down from the sky down from the mountain and these one coming up from the earth literally or coming up from the from the water gyra which mm-hmm. literally like i mean the vietnamese had these complex tunnel systems we're doing like we're blending yeah. in to the natural surroundings so there's a lot of ways it could be read that way Whew. yeah but i don't like it <laughs> no i don't like it either so let's i mean do you have anything 
else to say on that or should we jump to a next one? No, I, I just I feel like it's reaching like, yeah, you could read things into that way. But like, if you really try, you can read stuff into most things like, yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to know what like. I don't know, like the middle of the Vietnam War, I wonder how many move like I, I just wonder what the vibe was you know like there's a certain thing of like if a movie came yeah. out right after 9-11 and it was the same movie that came out 10 years before if it came out after 9-11 mm-hmm. we'd have to be like dude everything was about 9-11 like everything subtly was and I just don't know the vibe at that time in Japan if like yeah I was about to say like I have no idea what the general opinion or even Japan's involvement in like did they contribute any troops or no i guess they didn't they don't have a military um so no but do they contribute anything financially to either side like i have no idea what japan's stance with a general opinion i don't know anything anything yeah, at all about the uh, japan in relation to vietnam well except vietnam i mean War. i know that they made propaganda films for the americans for vietnam um, okay. but the only one that i know of is war of the gargantuas <laughs> nice. no, i know nothing i don't know <laughs> all right yeah here's john snow on this one um okay so let's move on this is kind of tied in but to like i mean again we were saying that a lot of people thought of you know most fucking it's the same thing they people think of with the like war in afghanistan and iraq war is like civilization versus crazy you know, uncivilized people. And yeah. so kind of moving away from Vietnam, but we can all guess as to how, I mean, a lot of these things are going to be tied together. I definitely felt like this film was like kind of a nature versus civilization thing. Um, You have Gyra, who's clearly like born of the ocean. And like you said, looks like the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Sanda, who I think you've mentioned a few times, like, you know, cares about humans, like maybe was the original Frankenstein or at least closer tied. So like was raised by humans, has lived among humans. Yeah, I don't know. Can you kind of you see that angle? Yeah, I think ultimately the message here is that we should uh, try to domesticate and live with all dangerous animals. <laughs> And they will become kind and protective of humans. Oh, God, that hurts my brain. No, leave them be. Um, Okay, if you want to keep conflict going between humans and animals. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know. I just definitely, you know, like the classic view of nature as like fucking... Do you, are you familiar at all with Thomas Hobbes? So I'm going to get f- philosophy theory for five seconds. Uh, I think you probably know the answer to this. No, I've heard the name. Okay, well, that's, I mean, that's all I was kind of asking. But Isn't that Hobbes from Calvin and Hobbes? Aren't, aren't they named after him? Yeah, I mean, uh, Calvin isn't, but Hobbes is, yeah. So, yeah. real quick, Thomas Hobbes, 1600s, wrote uh, this book called Leviathan, which, you know, speaking of kaiju... His badass. His vision of like the state is basically like all the people of the Commonwealth 
formed into a human with the king as the head, like reigning over um, the original kaiju. Yeah, exactly. Super kaiju. If you look at the cover of of his book, it's like a fucking kaiju. Uh, but yeah, he kind of talked about the state of nature and how the that like in the state of nature before humans were civilized it was the war of all against all like people could just you know kill each other with impunity and there there, there was no nothing holding them together and that's why we needed to have uh, a state to keep us all from doing that basically and that idea has never gone away and has been in fucking everything and it's just that's what i think of when i'm when i'm watching this of like uh, also just as problematic as the vietnam reading of um, just nature wants to destroy everything and this the half civilized person is, is the answer but can't quite do it we need full-on civilization you know that reminds me that just makes you think of like when you get into like some people uh, when you get into religious arguments with them, not that I'm, I'm not anti-religious or I don't get into religious arguments really, but, uh, you know, you hear religious people sometimes say, uh, without religion, like we wouldn't have morality. We would, we would just be like murdering and doing whatever we want, uh, and it's religion that creates morality. Um, have you ever come across people make that ar argument? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's just what that, that really makes me think of interesting um, uh let me read you the chapter there's there's four parts to the leviathan by thomas hobbes number one is of uh -huh. man part two is of the commonwealth part three is of a christian commonwealth and part four is the kingdom of darkness which is kind of confusing but yes like that's still tracks exactly with it's the same kind of idea right um yeah we need tools of domination to keep us in line even though the people that you're saying were so wild and wanted to kill each other that they they needed it are the ones who created these things that you're saying <laughs> would yeah um yeah real quick do you want to try a camera again sure i know you miss my my uh gyra face i do i do let me see if i can get you to see that's the leviathan that is the state oh it's a handsome state. Pretty cool kaiju film idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I know what our first movie is going to be. Hell yeah. Leviathan versus Gyra. I mean, you know, if you think of the state as a Leviathan, every day is a kaiju movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, and then if you think of it that way, right... You do have a character who's kind of coated white. You do have a character who's kind of coated not white. That one's the state of nature, barbarian, just as racist as the fucking Vietnam angle in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually when you get into the civilization, civilized versus non-civilized uh, concepts uh, in films and stuff, it, it'll, it'll often come up across as racist totally all right got a couple more should i jump into the next one yeah let's do it okay so uh i have this book called the kaiju film a critical study of cinema's biggest monsters by jason barr and in their chapter internal politics or in his chapter he had an interesting 
thing to say about War of the Gargantuas. Um, I don't remember which part I wanted to read. I remember what it was. He said, both Sandra and Gyra are very reminiscent of Charlie from No Gods, No Monsters. That must have been a different chapter. I didn't. Okay. I'm sorry. I I have the uh, expanded edition. Oh, awesome. This guy gets a little deep, so just, yeah. It has been argued that the dropping of the atomic bomb created a series of new and cascading identities for the Japanese people, many of them in direct opposition to one another. This has resulted in a variety of unique and interesting contradictions in Japanese society and politics. For example, the Japanese left traditionally uses the country's past role in war crimes as motivation for de-emphasizing the military. The right, coupled with the ultra-nationalist segment of society, often downplays or ignores the war crimes in an effort to adopt a more military-friendly stance. Take, as a kaiju example, the film War of the Gargantuas, 1966. Two creatures evolved from the deceased kaiju Frankenstein cells, Sanda and Gyra. They are both essentially alike in physical stature and look, with Sanda being light-colored and living in the mountains, and Gyra more green and spending his time in the ocean. Gyra attacks the Japanese with impunity, eats people like popcorn, and is essentially animalistic in nature. The more peaceful Sanda attempts to save Gyra from the military and nurtures his genetic, quote, brother, but ultimately is forced to battle him, as Gyra cannot control his violent impulses. In Sanda and Gyra, one can read the opposing impulses of the Japanese identity after World War II, from an intrinsic peacefulness geared only to self-defense and protection to a more violent and aggressive stance. Through this lens, the film may serve as a warning. The two opposing ideals must be reconciled in order for the country to survive. So essentially what I think he's saying is that, you know, just like, I mean, this is what's happening to our country right now in every fucking uh, community. But, like, after World War II, you have people who leaned into fascism and you have people who leaned into, like, pacifism anti-war. And Mm -hmm. that those two things are both still part of Japan and they'll kill each other. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, like, the end of the movie, them being taken down together. And, um, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that? Interesting. That's, um... I like that reading a lot more than the last two readings we went over. It. Yes. Uh, uh, that's one I can get more behind. Um, yeah, I kind of uh, like, because we, we brought up multiple times how, you know, it's, it's I mean, we kind of jokingly did it, but they came from the same body, and mm-hmm. it there's something of both of them in all of us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um I mean, yeah, we were saying that jokingly, but there is there is a part of that where you do have, yeah, you know, all of us have like uh, conflicting parts of us where, you know, there's the more good parts of us and the bad sides, and we we have these conflicts inside of us where we hopefully have the more well intentioned sides come out in the end. But uh, that 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 is something that that we all conflict with right definitely and like i mean on the on a larger political scale i think Mm -hmm. countries populations it's the same way and i mean frankenstein is you know supposed to be the creation of humans and like the kind of shows the monster in us and so that it kind of ties into it being a part of us 
And I think it's kind of interesting that Honda, who's, you know, a pacifist and who's responded to World War II in one of those two ways, you know, in the Sando way, yeah, is making a movie where, I mean, he's had some some Mothra, Mothra versus Godzilla movies that are like, we have to be peaceful, things will be better. Um, and this one feels a little more grim in that, like, well, if only one of you is peaceful, you maybe can't do it alone. Maybe that's not enough. The Gyra and you will still take each other down. Also, the even if you're peaceful, you're still creating Gyras. Yeah. Um, true. True, true, true. Oof. Well put, man. So, one more possible... <laughs> theme that i wanted to throw out uh so again mushroom clouds mushroom men this is a quote from ashira honda i found this one to be a little boring i'm glad people like it but that film didn't really have much heart i was mainly interested in the idea of cloning which is a social issue now you could make a great scientific drama about that what (laughs) (laughs) he's saying he didn't really like this movie he just wanted to do something about cloning and you could make a movie about cloning that's not what I expect coming from the director. No. When I saw on the outline you had cloning, I was like, okay, I'll see where that's coming from. I was not expecting that to be like, oh, this is the director's <laughs> reading of the movie. Same. <laughs> and it's like, I don't feel like this movie says a single thing about cloning. No, <laughs> not at all. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess... Maybe he's talking about how when you replicate something, every time you replicate, you lose some of the details uh, that make up the original. So, Gyra lost the uh, the the uh, kindness that was part of Sanda. I yeah, dude. And therefore, cloning will lead to evil sheep. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) Um, I mean, first of all, do you think when he said the movie didn't have much heart, he was referring to Frankenstein's heart not being in the movie this time? Mm -hmm. He's a very clever man. Yeah, yeah. That Honda. Uh, Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the way this movie could have been awesome is if they actually went somewhere, anywhere with the monsters being blown to bits and those bits all becoming new monsters. Yeah. that So, like, cloning... Oh, that's still not cloning. But, like, whatever. That idea of replication could have been cool, but wasn't. It's just a missed opportunity. Yeah, not even, like, it could have been cool. Um, but, like, that's just such a overall flaw of the movie in terms of just writing and stuff is that they make it such a big point that, oh, my God, these things can clone so easily and we can't attack it because they'll clone so easily and that would be so destructive and horrible. But then nothing ever comes to that, even though it's such like a driving plot point yeah. of like how we can't napalm or anything. It, 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 it's so weird how that's just kind of like dropped off and just like forgotten. And uh, so um, much of this script is like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's just bad writing. Very bad writing, because it's like, that was literally the moment of excitement where I was like, oh, this is going to be something. And then it was just, they punch each other, they go in the ocean, they die. Yeah. Well, speaking of... Or did they? That ending. Yeah, did they? Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a ton to say, but what do you think of the ending? 
very abrupt, um, not very climactic, where they're just like, oh, and then a volcano came, and, uh, although, once again, that's, wasn't that like the ending of, uh, of the last one? Yeah, it's interesting, right, that the last one, he's on Mount Fuji and falls in lava, and this one, it's a volcano again. I don't know if that's laziness or trying to say something, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. That one, though, um, at least I knew what was happening. This one, I was so confused the first time. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like it was kind of well made. Yeah, they're just in a big wrestling match, and they wrestle out in the ocean. It's a cool fight and all, but then it just kind of falls apart. Um, and they cut to them in the hospital, and they're like, oh, a volcano came, and yeah. they're dead. They're gone. Yeah, the... Um, the end. The... I was trying to think of, like, these different angles, like, uh, if we're looking at it as Vietnam, I don't really know what the ending means. If we're looking at the nature versus civilization thing, I guess you could read into, like, in the fight of civilized versus nature, nature will win. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, Yeah, the Peter H. Brothers, to me, had the reading that I thought was the coolest. Um, I'm going to read one more quote. It's short this time, all right? Okay, you're good. He says, This finale could rightly be considered as the saddest in all of Honda's fantasy films, as it depicts the death not of a person, a monster, or a civilization, but of a young woman's unfailing optimism. Oh, that was unexpected. Yeah. Last sentence. <laughs> there's a, it rings true to me of, like, the whole movie is focusing. I mean, it's she's not the main character, but mm-hmm. she's by far, Akemi's by far the the one you actually care about. And she's like, yeah, no, he doesn't hurt people. No, I can reach him. And then the last shots are like her looking distraught with if score being very fucking sad and them sinking to the ocean. And especially knowing like the optimism that like, again, like Mothra versus Godzilla that, that Shiro Honda added to that. That is pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, um, it also kind of drives it in more that the two men with her, um, Stuart and I don't remember what uh, Sahara's character name is, yeah. um, but they kind of like are just like, oh, and they kind of went to the ocean and the volcano came and they died and they don't really seem to care that much, yes. but it's obviously something much more heavier uh, to her. Um, because she's more empathetic, uh, and actually is more dynamic character. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, and I think if we, which I kind of do now, if we choose to watch this movie and read this movie with the reading of like you know the two sides, the split Japan that has you know the Ashiro Hondas on the peaceful side, the the fascists on the other side, um, and that those if they won't can't be reconciled, they'll kill each other. And that like Honda's optimism is dying from that. It has a much more cohesive and stronger meaning than other readings. And it it makes sense, but it's also really tragic. Mishima's on the other side. Mishima. Yeah, he was a, he was a writer slash actor slash I think he directed a movie or two, uh, slash, uh, bodybuilder gay guy he was like a fascist to uh oh because i said honda to... and you had to pick it 
Got it. Okay. Yeah, because you're like the I don't know the fascist on the other side. So I was trying to pick someone. Um, you're a really great writer. Uh, I highly recommend his writing, even though he is. I think uh, I've heard of this shithead. Person, yeah. Um, I, I've recommended some stuff for his right. before. Um, back when we were kind of less outwardly political, I guess. But um, I mean, I still really like his writing, even though he's a shithead. But he he tried to like because he wanted to bring like the emperor back to power. He tried to commit like a military coup yes or something like that this. and then he okay. failed and he uh committed a seppuku what do you call it seppuku yeah yeah well yeah that's uh that's the way i'm choosing to read this movie now because it makes the most sense to me and it all actually lines up and fits together and it's fucking gnarly yeah that's a that's a neat reading i like that reading um uh i'm gonna choose to read it as um a con uh a a conversation on cloning. <laughs> that's I just because so that funny. was the director's intention, and I respect Shira Honda as a kaiju fan. There you go. I love that he's like, I didn't really like that movie. I just cared about cloning. You could make a movie about that. Yeah. <laughs> you ever think of that? Yeah. Have you ever seen Multiplicity? <laughs> that's the one, dude. <laughs> All right. Let's get down to business. Let's get to the real shit. Dumb cop of the week. Uh, you go first. Um, we already talked about him, but the fucking Coast Guard, who is like, yeah, I mean, we already talked about how fucking stupid he was, but is t- like, okay, <laughs> the first thing he does is the doctor's like, this patient's in no condition to talk. And he's like, I know that, but he must. And it's like, dude, the dude's <laughs> literally in a coma. Like, you can't. He's yeah. such a cop. You just think you get what you want because you want it. He's in a fucking coma, dude. And then, yeah, like bringing up the giant monster. Like, don't don't tell me crazy stories about monsters when literally every other scene is like reporters, doctors, scientists, all these people talking about like, could it have been that giant monster from before that we all yeah. know about? And Not to mention that scene ends with them calling the exactly. Frankenstein unit. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that is by far my dumb cop of the week. Yeah. That was my uh, number two. Um, but my choice was uh, – so the military is attacking Gyra and there's helicopters flying above and he's like jumping up trying to grab the helicopters. One of them flies by and he jumps up and he grabs it and he fucking destroys it. And then another another helicopter flies by at the exact same height, <laughs> and Gyra jumps up and fucking destroys it. It's like you just saw that other helicopter flying right there, yeah. at the same height as you. Why, why do you think it wouldn't happen to you? You fucking dumb shit. That's so great. <laughs> um, okay, I did have one other honorable mention, and okay, they're like the the military is attacking, and there's like a few dudes in like a little room like and one of them saying something like cease fire cease fire who told you to fire don't fire and then the commander says something i forget what he says i didn't write it down something like we're preparing to land and the other guy is just like we're preparing to land like he's just it's just (laughs) weird to watch it's just like repeating shit and i don't know it got a chuckle out of me both times um since you got a second one, I'm also going to throw an honorable mention. Uh, Sting, if uh, if he ever saw this, um, then uh, he's involved with the movie, and therefore he's the definitely uh, honorable mention dumbest cop. Good call, because he's in the police. 
Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, okay, let's rate this Godzilla scale. It's weird that we're putting on the Godzilla scale, but since it ties to Frankenstein, which has Baragon, who's in Godzilla movies, yeah. Godzilla scale. Close enough. Uh, I did cop first, so you do scale first. Mm. So I do not remember at all what I rated uh, the last one, which I do like more than this one. For sure. So if I if my rating like if that doesn't line up with my rating, sorry, fuck you. Um. Yeah, to all those people with the spreadsheets keeping close track. Actually, if any of you wants to do that, we'd love it because we have no idea what we rated anything. But yeah, since no one's actually yeah, doing that, and I would feel like somebody likes us and <laughs> listens to us, so that would also would make it cool. Hey, don't fucking um, surveil me. Don't fucking keep my I mean biometrics in a spreadsheet. Uh, you can surveil me Excel. as you can, you can surveil me as much as you want, if because it just means you love me. Okay, I want to be loved. Nice. I don't want to be perceived. Um, perceived, Charlie. <laughs> uh, bu- 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 I'm gonna give this a B minus. Wow. Um. Like, I have some conflicting points, or, like, some of the stuff, like, I really like the monsters. I like their uniqueness to their fighting style, and, uh, but then it just drops off in so many other areas. It's just a big, I don't know, it's kind of a mess, but there's enough enjoyable stuff in it for me to make it a, a B-, and I really, I don't fully get why this is so beloved in the kaiju community. Um, Yeah. But uh, I think it might uh, be yeah, a case and it's also just of the people who love it being really loud about that. I don't think it's like universally beloved. Yeah, fucking loudmouths. You We're looking at you, Gargant, you cast. Just kidding, loudmouth. Yeah, yeah, you loudmouths, Gargant, cast. Really, really great have inspiration. So loudmouths influenced us. We love you. I have such such. Have such loud mouths, you feel like you have to record it and put it out as a podcast because yeah, that's the volume. The volume of your mouths couldn't be <laughs> contained otherwise. You're right; that part's irredeemable for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, B yeah, uh, minus. Um, cool. Check it out. I'm uh, I'm gonna give it a D oh. for Dino. Um. I think I literally wow. would give it an F if it wasn't for, like, cool readings we could do of it. And may- maybe not. Some of the fighting's really cool. It... Octopus fight. Okay, yeah, the octopus is cool. Oh, man. Like, D+. Plus, um, plus a couple of Diddy Kong's uh, peanut poppers. <laughs> yeah! Definitely. Woo! Yeah, it deserves them. Like, it's one for each, one for each kaiju. And, you know, I'm feeling kind of Santa right now. I'll give it a little boost. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Sweet. All right. Well, also, also, it's a great allegory for the Vietnam War. So you have to uh, factor that in. For, that's true. For the, it's it's the, my second favorite uh, movie on Vietnam. Yeah. This and um, uh, Clifford. Yes, totally. Uh, Charlie, I'm about to close this out, but we're going to play a song at the end of this. 
Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So we didn't even mention there's that scene where a white woman is singing. Oh, my God. How did we not mention that scene? <laughs> what the fuck? What did you think of that scene? <laughs> yeah, I, like, wrote, like, a bunch of stuff on that scene um, <laughs> in my notes. I mean, I love – I've I've talked about this before. I love so much the music in these movies. This is one of the worst songs ever written. It hurts. And What's it called again? so horrible. Suck in um, my throat or something? The words get stuck in my yeah. throat or something like that. Yeah. And uh, the the only other white person, I think, besides um, Russ Tamblin is, is singing it. Uh, really giving us a bad and, name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just a terrible, terrible song. Horrible lyrics, horrible melody. Um, horrible pitch and tone. And yeah. I mean, I think the theme we forgot is just like, do not let white people into Japan. Like, they ruin your night. <laughs> Wait, haven't you been in Japan? <laughs> Shut up. It's like, they ruin your night at the, at the fucking nightclub or whatever, the restaurant. They ruin your time trying to work on baby monkeys. You know, it's just bad. But I want to go to the Miyazaki theme park. Yeah, and we all want to uh, zip line into Shin Godzilla's mouth. But, you know. Yeah. Anyway, did did you see there's a Miyazaki theme park or Studio Ghibli oh, shit. Uh, a theme park? I did not see that. that the, Fuck. Yeah, I think it's like opening soon. Um. Anyways, uh, but but yeah, that scene. I really wish she had like bitten her head off or something. Um, yeah. Uh. But yeah, he drops her, and I think the movie's trying to imply that she's okay, but we don't see her move or anything after she's dropped. So in my reading of the movie, she's fucking dead. <laughs> and, uh, or at the very least, she's never able to sing again. For sure. Um, from damages sustained. Um, so uh, Devo, I guess uh, it was a live staple of their shows in the, the 70s and the 80s uh, where they would sing that song as um, uh Mark Mellersbaugh would uh, take on the persona of Boogie Boy, I think is how you pronounce it. Boogie? What, uh, what do you mean take on the persona? Like he had characters? Yeah, Boogie Boy is B-O-O-J-I-E, but I feel like you pronounce it Boogie. Um, You're just trying to hide the he, bourgeoisie of of it all. <laughs> you know that, that baby mask that he would sometimes wear? No. Okay, sometimes he would put on like a baby mask and he would... Uh, sing and talk in like this high-pitched voice and that was a character of his name boogie boy that would uh show up in some videos and some songs anyway so he perf they would perform the song as through that for the boogie boy um singing that so we are going to play that i don't know we've decided i sent you both a studio version and a live version so i don't know which one we're going to play but we'll play one of them and you will like it hell yeah all right. Well, thank you for listening to this whole thing. We appreciate you. You can find us on Twitter at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. And if you like what you're doing and you want to support the show, just remember, you don't need to reconcile with fascists. The, the, the movie doesn't even make sense. Just punch them. Just kick their asses. Just don't let them do anything that they're doing. Rip their stickers down. Everything helps, you know? And Yeah. Just do what I do. Get right up in their face. Take out your finger and say, tss, tss, no, no, and wave your finger back and forth. Say, nah, uh 
no good. And that's an especially good tactic if you get up to them and you had something to say, but the words got stuck in your throat. If I had a tiny microphone stuck inside my heart,